Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Paul Lauer is best known for his viral marketing campaign on the Passion of the Christ, which caused more than 700 million people to see it worldwide. He is the founder and CEO of Motive Entertainment. Paul is an American entrepreneur, marketer, and an author. Paul has managed the record-breaking grassroots marketing campaigns for other movies as well, like Narnia, Polar Express, Rocky Balboa, and Mark Burnett's The Bible Series and Son of God, among others which collectively have generated over $2.4 billion in global revenues. Paul is frequently tapped to reach and mobilize huge niche audiences. Before founding Motive, he launched the successful You magazine for teens, co-wrote books, hosted radio and TV shows, produced documentary television, and worked with numerous celebrities and sports stars. Today, we get to uncover what God is doing behind the scenes in entertainment and hear from this viral marketing sensation. We are going to discover some of the stories that you don't get to hear in media about how God moved on several projects that we know and love. Our show is going to be a great show today. I have Paul Lauer here. This is going to be so awesome to finally have a conversation face-to-face because we've only talked over the phone. Right on, man. And so Good to finally be here with you. Totally. I mean, you're a legend in your own right for some legend. of the projects you've worked on. And Talk some, to my wife about uh, that. Well, you've brought so much strength <laughs> to a lot of people. And, of course, our wives have different stories for us, but I know your wife loves you. You guys yes. have five kids. We do. That's a lot of kids. There's at least five. How many Last years have you I lived in California? Did you my raise them life, here? My whole life. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's a big deal to raise five kids in Southern California. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, there's an expression in Spanish that translated into English is every child comes with a loaf of bread under his arm. Yeah. A friend from Mexico told me that who also had five kids. He basically said, God will provide. Yeah. Just be generous yeah. with life and God will provide. And he oh, always awesome. has. Yeah. Yeah. We always tell people like, you know, who are here that are young married couples are like, we're waiting to have kids until we have more success. I'm like, no, just have kids. You'll have more success. Yeah. It's just true. Like seriously, we have two and they were totally not the timing we would choose. Yeah. It's, it's, just happen. It's a leap of faith. It's any, any area of our lives where we have to be kind of open and generous and risk. If it's something that we're doing for God, he'll always show up. He'll always reward way beyond. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. So today we're talking about those kinds of things, but in the context of the entertainment industry. And you are best known for some of your work like on films like The Passion. A lot of film marketing is what you're known for. Right. And with uh, Mark Burnett, with The Son of God, and mm-hmm. some of his, what was the other, the Bible series? Yeah, Bible series. So you've helped a lot of projects have very creative marketing. And you've done that with other projects outside of film as well. Yeah. But you're known for this, you know, the guy who can give you great creative strategies. and. Like how was that what you wanted to go into? I mean, I know you graduated, I believe, from UCLA. Was this it? Uh, totally not. I had no <laughs> inclination all through high school, all through college. Uh, my first love was music. Oh, okay. So when I got out of school, UCLA, I I went right into being in a rock band. Wow. And that was my passion. That's what I thought I was going to be a rock star someday. And God got a hold of me in my uh, early twenties and stripped everything away wow like it it started by not re-engineering 
what I was doing. It was like, I need to wipe the slate clean. Oh, wow. And then I'll tell you what I need you to do. So uh, that entailed actually moving to the desert. I left oh. my band. I was in a band at that time. Yeah. I'd been in a band since I was 11. Wow. All these different bands. And I what, left what my band. What position were you in the band, by the way? What's that? What position in the band were you? Oh, I was. The singer? I was lead guitar background vocals okay. if you heard me sing you'd know why i was in the background <laughs> and i was a songwriter i always wow. had music just yeah. flowing through me like songs yeah. melodies even when i was a kid they would just like That's show amazing. up and god like, took that all away and put you in the desert left the band went to the desert lived there for two years um basically lived like a monk mm. and at that point thought my life is just going to be a life of preaching and ministry and, and religion. And, um, I, I totally got out of my world music and all the things I'd grown up with pop yeah. culture. I grew up in LA, so I was yeah. always surrounded by culture and Hollywood and everything. And I just turned my back on all of that. Mm. And I found out later that Paul, my namesake did the same thing. He moved to the desert okay. for years. I don't yeah. know how many years, but apparently he had to be like formed, like Jesus formed yeah. him in the desert. And so that's what happened to me. And um, after two years of that, I ended up back in LA at my parents' house and I started a magazine for teenagers. This is the You Magazine. You Magazine, yeah. yeah. Because I knew God was somehow going to use culture again. He was like reintroducing yeah. that to me after he built my spiritual foundation. He then said, okay, now I'm going to bring back some of who you were before. Yeah. Cause all of that was for a reason. I didn't yeah. make you that way and give you all those experiences for nothing. I just needed to build a foundation first okay. and then rebuild on top of that, who you are, who I made you to be. So I started this magazine, which was, um, kind of pop culture through the eyes of faith. And oh, we wow. interviewed celebrities and we did this kind of stuff, yeah, but with yeah. celebrities in, in, um, in music and sports and movies, people that we found were believers, but mm -hmm. were in the mainstream world. And yeah. we'd interview them and get them to share tidbits of faith and how faith had impacted their lives. And we did this magazine for 12 years. It went wow. all over the world. It was in six languages. It was a faith-based magazine, yeah. but it didn't look like it. It was like faith packaged in today's look yeah. and feel. And and then that, when the internet started, it kind of just trashed the whole magazine industry yeah. temporarily. It kind of came back for a while and it's still there, but the internet will never go away. And you know, print <laughs> is kind of tenuous. Yeah. Um, if you if you've ever seen the movie Book of Eli, there yeah. may come a time when there is no print at all, except yeah. for you know one book. Um, and uh, and so after the magazine days, I kind of I felt God was saying, okay, next move is movies. Like mm. you've been using this communication means, a magazine, for these twelve years, but you're now going to use another communication means which is let's, let's go there visual. for just a minute because yeah. the magazine had i believe i read like some staggering number of distribution like how many did you distribute a couple million yeah so several yeah. million and yeah. you had to get into in front of a lot of distribution type networks to be able to do that and, right and right have a conversation yeah so you were already kind of marketing it was pre 
the movies, you already had some foundation being laid by just being faithful in this magazine. Yes. Because when you went into movies, that's it wasn't a huge jump. Right. But it was a huge jump. No, you were absolutely right. You're a smart guy, by the way, Sean Bowles. I'm decently smart. Uh, you're exactly <laughs> right. All what I experienced in the magazine just it flowed right into what I ended up doing in Hollywood uh, because we had learned grassroots marketing. We had learned yeah. how to reach out to youth and families and schools and youth groups. And we never had a lot of money. Yeah. By the way, money is usually the enemy. Okay. You don't wow. need money. You need initiative and ideas and the grace of God. And then all the rest comes. People that start with a lot of money tend to waste the money. Yeah. The expression is necessity is the mother of invention, invention yeah. right? So if you don't need anything because you've got everything, you've got all your money, yeah. then you don't innovate. You That's don't so create. That's so true. So we had to innovate, create all through. We started that magazine in my parents' garage. Oh, wow. It eventually grew like into- Amazon and Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my mom would be in the robe when the FedEx man was walking down the driveway <laughs> saying, awesome. um, is this you magazine? And my mom's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my son. Follow that's me. That's amazing. <laughs> Those great days. Yeah. But it, it eventually became a real you know, business. Um, but anyway, when I left the magazine and God started showing me it's going to be movies, I got a call from an old friend who knew me from the magazine. And he said, I'm working on this small, low budget film and we're trying to reach youth and families. Wow. And we know you did that with the magazine. Can you help us on this film? So I, uh, it took me like three or four asks and I finally said, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's check this out. And that campaign, that was a little movie called Joshua. Okay. Starring Tony, Tony Goldwyn, who was the bad guy in Ghost. Oh yeah. Remember yeah. that movie? Yeah. He's on TV and in movies still, so some people might recognize that name. But um, this movie, Joshua, only did about $2 million at the box office. But during that campaign, we had this experience that totally changed my whole perception. Wow. We had been doing about two, $3,000 per screen average per theater where we were opening opening in which is not very good if you're only doing a couple thousand dollars you're not going to last long in theaters yeah we then opened the film we were going market to market we opened the film in honolulu we did forty thousand dollars in oh, one wow. weekend and the studio called us and said what just happened in honolulu and we said it happened the thing we've been trying to figure out finally we figured it out hmm. so what do you think it was i have no idea one of the producers on the film is a guy named Bob Belts. He's a former pastor. He had a good friend in Honolulu who pastored a mega church. Okay. Wayne Cordero. And Bob went over to Honolulu, got up on the pulpit. Wayne introduced him. He talked about the movie. Yeah. And then Wayne got up and said, we're all going to go see this movie. Okay. That little film, Joshua, opened next to Star Wars. Oh, wow. On a little, in a little theater with only two screens. Okay. <laughs> the second weekend, Joshua was playing on both screens. Oh, my god. And gosh. Star Wars had been oh booted gosh. because that mega church was flooding this theater yeah. to such an extent that it was doing more business than Star Wars. That's wild. So I kind of went into my basement. I was like, whoa, game changer. Yeah. Like, if we could replicate that, 
nationwide, yeah. that would be a blockbuster. And it's all about these leaders, these influencers, yeah. and somehow reaching them. This is them. before social capital was like considered a big deal. And we didn't have Instagram and all these things where it's like, oh, can I borrow your influence in a major way? I mean, it was always happening, but I mean, you were kind of starting that before it was really there yet. Absolutely. There was no social media. Yeah. Zero. This was 2002. Okay. Okay. So there was the internet, but even that was young. Yeah, it was like MySpace or something. Email was there. Yeah. And that was kind of the main way that people would communicate online. But you're right. The whole concept of influencers and what we see commonly today with, yeah. with social media, that didn't exist. But we knew from that experience, this is a game changer. That's and amazing. so we put together a whole concept, a whole plan, a whole company around what we call channel partners, okay. which is these leaders who are channels to the masses. And that's, that's the company that I started 16 years ago. Wow. So then how did the passion happen? I'm just curious as far as that story, because yeah. I know that was another game changer for you. And I know they were having such a hard time figuring out how to market it right. before they came to you guys. They were like stuck. <laughs> and then you said, okay, here we are. It's so funny the way God works. Um, that producer that I just talked about yeah. who went to Hawaii, Bob Belts. Yeah. By the way, Bob, I hope you're watching, dude. I'm giving you shout outs galore here. <laughs> um, he knew Bruce Davey, who was Mel Gibson's business partner. Okay. And he also knew that I had gone into my basement and I was working on this business plan for yeah. my company Motive based on what happened in Honolulu. And he believed in it because he had seen it. But he and I were kind of the only ones that knew about it. Yeah. Anyway, one day he's talking to Mel Gibson and his team, and they're like, we're doing a movie on Jesus. And he said, I know the guy you need to talk to. Wow. And so Bob called me and he said, you need to meet with Mel Gibson. He's doing a movie on Jesus. And I said, I'm not ready to meet with Mel Gibson. Wow. I haven't even built this thing out yet. Yeah. And he just kept calling me dude, you got to do it. You got to do it. Other people are showing up saying they know how to do it, but I, I think you've got the plan. And I finally said, okay, I'll meet. And I go into Icon Productions in Santa Monica expecting to meet with Bruce, his business partner, yeah. Mel's business partner, who my friend Bob knew. And I walk in and there's the dude, there's the Mel yeah. sitting on the couch. The and there's Bruce and there's Steve McAveedy, the producer who had done all Mel's big movies, yeah. great guy. And the three of them are sitting there. And I felt like, whoa, it's showtime. This is yeah. like the Inquisition. And they said, so what do you got? And I took my business plan that I've been working on. I threw it on the table and I said, I think that's how you have to market your film. But I don't know for sure because I've never done it, but nobody else has. Wow. But we knew from that experience, if we replicated that yeah. and going back to what you said before, all my experience in the magazine days was put into that business plan sure. as well. It's massaged and right in. About two months later, after a lot of other meetings they had and other people talking to them, they finally came back to me and said, um, okay, we want to go with you. We're going to hire you and you figure out how to run this thing. And yeah. by the way, here's 10 proposals from other people that have been here and just figure it out and wow. give us a budget, which of course I did. And we worked with about one third of that budget. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading an email that I wrote to myself 
back then so funny. venting about the budget and da 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 da, da and the, the various challenges but um it was great to see that to myself you just gave me an idea <laughs> you know it's we, good we need those times here's here's a great idea the the angry nasty email that you pen aimed at somebody yeah somebody you work with somebody yeah. you know a client whatever just before you hit send erase their name put your name in there instead and then hit send wow and then sit on it for a week or years or years or decades yeah or decades exactly (laughs) well let's go into this a little bit because it couldn't have been like this is your first major project on this level and it was one of the most controversial projects in all of all time period and was that exciting to you was it like did the bottom feel like it was falling out at times what what was that like oh it was gnarly was that helpful in the marketing was that the deterrent uh in the long run it was probably half of the box office came from the controversy i think without the controversy it still would have been huge because the church showed up and they would have shown up anyway yeah because mel gibson's making a movie on jesus hello well no but there's a lot of people who made movies on jesus that didn't do that martin scorsese yeah, I mean, there's one coming out with Joaquin Phoenix that no one's going to go see because uh, it's controversial and gross. And But there's a lot of movies, and, and people people were given the image that this was going to be a gross movie. I love Joaquin Phoenix, by the way, but I'm just saying the movie is going to be a bad movie. <laughs> but, um, but, but people were told that this movie was also going to misrepresent Christ right. from the beginning. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot to work with. It was, uh, and it was particularly hard. Well, it was very hard on Mel. Mel yeah. took it all personally because he felt, you know, he felt, um, he felt people's pain mm. and he felt responsible for it. Yeah. He's such a feeler. And it, totally. Yeah. It, it wasn't like, Oh, they're wrong. And you know, what do they know? Whatever. He really took it to heart. And, um, he was angry. He was angry about some things because the, the script had been leaked, you know, and that's, that's wow. dishonesty and that's yeah. illegal. And somebody did that. But um, it was also hard on me because um, half my family's Jewish. My dad, Bernie the attorney, (laughs) God rest his soul, he died a few months ago. I'm so sorry. Greatest man in the world. Um, But his whole, you know, that whole half of my family is Jewish. And so we had relatives who started seeing my name in the press Mm. because associated with the campaign contacting my parents saying what is Polly doing working on that movie that you know terrible anti-semitic movie and so i had my own personal you yeah. know stuff to deal with um but we knew in the long run that um it was made for the right reasons it wasn't meant to be anti-semitic it wasn't meant to point the finger mel himself said you know when you watch the nail in the movie go through Jesus's palm when he's being nailed to the cross, you see a, a big hammer, like a sledgehammer come down yeah. and it's Mel's own hand mm. that is driving that. Mm. Like he, he purposely wanted himself to be the one who was pounding that in to, to tell everybody I'm the one that nailed him to the cross through my sins. It's yeah. not about pointing the finger at you. Wow you know, Jewish community saying, you guys nailed him to the cross. It's we all did, all of our sins, humanity. So where did God show up the most in in the sense of like, how did you know, how did you have the fortitude inside to stay with it, to just be like, we're going to make this, 
I mean, he had to have been. I think I'm reverse engineering going, okay, yeah. you don't just stay in a project that's this hard. Right. So where was the the grit that God gave you or whatever? So it was a bunch of things. I would say the first really important thing is that we were surrounded in prayer. Wow. Everywhere we went, people said, we're praying for you. Yeah. And they would pray for us there as well. Not only were they praying for us, hearing about it, but one, once we showed up, they would pray for us. They would lay hands on us, uh, which was kind of funny because Mel's Catholic, and most of the places we went were evangelical Protestant yeah, or, yeah. Charismatic, or charismatic or, or something, or whatever, yeah. and people are speaking in tongues. And, you know, <laughs> we're doing the thing where our eyes are closed, right, yeah. in a circle or whatever. And, and I would always open my eyes and look over at Mel, and sure enough, he'd be like, what's going on he's gotten better these days now he gets it <laughs> yeah well and he even then he was totally respectful yeah. it just wasn't his form of worship normally yeah. yeah um but but that prayer that surrounding in prayer which by the way you know mel had a really tough time after the passion as did um other people at the company mm. everybody jim caviezel uh i had a tough like really I, i'm not going to go into my you know sad stories you can't. Uh-oh. <laughs> you told me you were going to pull out a sad story. <laughs> I, uh, I did not tell you I was going to pull out a sad story. We, yeah. all, we all took a hit. Yeah. And like Jim was kind of blacklisted for a little bit. Yeah. Bell was completely blacklisted for 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, all the stuff that happened in his personal life. Yeah. I mean, it was really rough. And I believe one of the main reasons for that is during the campaign, we were protected. There was a hedge of protection that all that prayer was giving mm -hmm. us. There were demonic forces trying to rip us to pieces, but we were protected. Movie comes out. Movie does great. Everybody goes on with their lives. The hedge comes down. What wow. happens now? Wow. Everybody gets torn to shreds. Yeah. So it's important to begin a project, a vision with prayer, to execute it with prayer, and to pray for it even afterwards yeah. so that it doesn't get dismantled. Um, so the prayer was an important thing. The other thing was um, we, we did something smart, which was we told Mel, you stay silent. Mm. You're getting all these accusations, but we don't want you to defend yourself. We want to go to the Christian community and ask leaders to respond. Yeah. And to share what we all believe is the correct Christian response to this, which is showing Christ's um, passion and crucifixion is not about pointing the finger at the Jews. Maybe that's happened in history, yeah. but it was wrong. And that's not what we're trying to say. So we just empowered leaders to take that role of speaking on behalf of the Bible, yeah. a.k.a. on behalf of the film, and to try and build a dialogue of understanding and just kind of keep Mel to the side as just a filmmaker who was making a film that all of us relate to. Like, yeah. this is our story. Yeah. So we're going to speak on behalf of our story. He's just a filmmaker who took our story and made a beautiful movie. But let us tell you what our story is and why it's not about condemning you as a Jewish community. So that was the second thing we did. Um the third thing is um, every mistake we made turned out to be the biggest blessing in disguise. Oh, wow. So 
That Romans blew my mind. Romans 8.28, God worked it all. That blew my mind. And, and in fact, on subsequent campaigns, I would often tell my, my team and sometimes even my clients, I would say, guys, I'm waiting until I make a big mistake. Wow. Because that's probably going to be when God shows up <laughs> and goes, hey, so you thought you guys were doing this like rocking campaign. Yeah. I'm going to wait until you fail. And then I'm going to show you who's really doing yeah. this. Who's really well, giving the and increase. And that's the thing that I've been interested in you for years, because there's, there's something about if you're marketing, so much of it's done with manipulation or it's done with just money or it's done whatever. Yeah. But it's interesting your stories because every time you're looking for a God result, which is really profound, whether it's um, one of these kinds of movies or whether it's something else you're working on, you're looking for a God result. So to have the, the even emotional intelligence in yourself to say, I'm looking for this result, it's okay. It's huge in a, in a place where if you make one mistake, you can get killed for the rest of your career. You're going, no, this is now when it's big. Right. That's huge. But keep going. I just, I wanted to point that out because I really love, and I think it's an example to people who are watching that don't be afraid of your mistakes. Absolutely. Well, first of all, if you're afraid of your mistakes, then you won't take risks. If That's you true. don't take risks, forget about it. There yeah. is no one who's ever succeeded in any capacity, in any form of of human endeavor that didn't risk. Yeah. So you, if you go back from fear of mistakes all the way back, I mean, there's so many other dominoes that fall yeah. and keep you from succeeding if you start with that. So just being willing to, to risk, to look stupid, to be a fool, and then to allow God to show up and, and to allow him to not show up. Yeah. If he decides, you know, this time around, I'm, I am going to let you look like a fool because I'm testing you. Like, I wow. really do want to know what you're in it for. We've done, we've done over 100 campaigns. I have no idea how many campaigns wow. we've done. And some of them have been wildly successful. And then we'll take the same model. We'll use it again on another film. And it doesn't work. Yeah, It's the same game plan. Not that we, like, do the same thing every time. We're sure. always trying to innovate. But even with innovation, sometimes we'll fail. And I've gotten to the point where really early on, I got to that point of just saying, you know, Lord, it's okay. As long as I show up and I give you my best yeah. and I'm doing it for the right reasons. And please, Lord, check me, check my reasons, mm -hmm. like check my heart and convict me when I'm wavering. Then the outcome is it's his, you know, yeah. and there's most of us. Most of the people listening to this who are getting into entertainment or any other endeavor, human endeavor, most of us are going to fail. Yeah. That's just the way it is. There's very few things in life that are the big successes. Again, in any endeavor. Yeah. In real estate, in sports, now, in music. American in millionaires, movies. they go bankrupt how many times before they finish? You know, before it's as crazy as like three or four times. Yeah. And it's wild. And so the failure, the, the failures are given. It's just automatic. And it's how much are we going to learn through those failures and trusting that even with the failures, God is eventually going to show up in the way he needs or in the way he wants for your life. Cause we're all called to be successful in God's eyes, yeah. right? Whatever yeah. that means. And if we can trust that, but make that really personal and like share, yeah. if you can, a time that something failed, that you were disappointed, but God came in and turned it around. 
Yeah. Well, I could use a passion story. Um, should I use a passion Whatever story? Whatever you want. Whatever. I feel like all we're talking about is a passion story. I know you've done lots of other stuff. So if you yeah. want to go to another story, you can, but whatever, whatever you want. Because I will say this about the passion. I mean, 770 million people plus have seen this now. Hmm. And so it's hit the whole world. It's a worldwide phenomenon. And so it's interesting because we kind of have this in common and you were part of bringing something to us that we all have in common as, as a worldwide humanity right now. Right. So I think people are intrigued by that. But, but all the stuff you've worked on, like you said, over 100 campaigns, I'm sure hmm. there's something that where God showed up when you didn't expect him to after a failure. Well, it's all the time. It really is. It's, it's all the time. Not that we're constantly failing, yeah. you know, because that would be a tough way to sell yourself as a professional. Come be my company with yeah, me. Yeah, I fail usually, so hire me or get me on your team or You're not whatever. known for failure, so I, I understand that. It is, it's more along the lines of, look, we're going to bring our A game every yeah. time. We're going to bring our A game. We're going to plan to win. As a matter of fact, we're going to plan to win big. Yeah. Why are we going to plan to win big? Why? If the, we're working on a project that we believe is a God-honoring project, we should always plan to win big. Why? Because we need to. This world needs more yeah. of what God has to offer. So we have to bring our A game. We have to assume we're going to win big. And then sometimes we don't. And sometimes, like I'm a Dodger fan, okay? It's early in the season. Dodgers just won or just lost four games in a row after like starting huge, yeah. winning all these games. They were just boom, 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 you know? But I love this, um, I can't remember who said it, but you miss, you miss 100%. Oh, it's Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player. Yeah. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. That's awesome. I love no, that's awesome. That. I remember that statement. Yeah. So, so here's one of those failure stories. We were in Houston, Texas. Um, Joel and Victoria Osteen were there. We had this collection of mostly Christian leaders. We were doing a screening of the Passion, and we had opened it up to some Jewish leaders too, because my main contact in Houston said, "Hey, I've got some Jewish friends. I really think it would be cool to have them there." Yeah. Kind of open up a dialogue. You know, clearly you're not afraid of them. We're like, no, you know, it's okay. We just need to know who's coming. And um, and so he told us the names and everything. And we have the screening. Movie ends. As was always our practice, uh, Mel and I would go down to the front and we would just open it up to questions and comments. Well, the very first comment, a guy stood up. And he goes, my name is blankety blank. I'm not going to repeat the name. And I'm from the blankety blank organization. We knew exactly who this guy was. Oh, no. He had been in the New York Times multiple times, slamming Mel, slamming the oh, movie. No. And it was like one of these surreal moments where that's not possible. That can't be that person. Because first of all, he lives in New York. Second of all, I saw all the names on the RSVP list. Well, guess what? In. He was a plus one. Okay. Somebody put a plus one. He came, flew like overnight. His friend like, I'm going to see the passion. You got to get here. And so he, he came to the screening and he just started ripping into Mel. Oof. And, and I look over at Mel and I'm thinking, oh dear Lord, don't go Braveheart on me. You know, cause I was like, he's yeah. going to lose it. He was totally calm. I'm like under my breath. I'm like, dude, let me handle this. Let me handle this. And 
Before I could say anything, Mel spoke up. He said a couple of things which were really good, respectful. And then a Christian pastor, per my point earlier, he stood up and he was black. An African-American Christian pastor stood up and he looked at his Jewish brother and he said, you got this totally wrong, brother. And he sat there and he basically answered this accusation and we didn't even have to say or do anything. Yeah. Well, I got on the plane. We, you know, we were flying Mel's plane all over the place. And I got on the plane thinking I'm toast. Like how this guy got in. When when I get back to the office, everybody's going to be like, what the heck? How did you let that guy in? And and so I was just totally quiet. And uh, at one point I, I finally look over at Mel and I said, so am I toast? And he goes, no, man. Are you kidding? That, wow. was a, that was all good. And that whole thing ended up being a major, it was it blew up online because that okay. guy went online and he said, all of our fears have been confirmed. Oh, no. Because see, up until that point, nobody had seen the film. Yeah. They were all just accusing the film based on the script. Yeah. Now, finally, one of the leaders had seen the film and he's like, I've been there and it's exactly what we thought it was. Wow. So that became this big firestorm, but then the whole Christian community started a firestorm in reaction to that. Wow. To again do that kind of you guys are getting it wrong. So that was wow. an example of one of those super dark days. Yeah. It turned out to be, you know, a gem. Yeah. No, and it's I think that that's the point is like we're we're going into unknown territory in a way because the church has been last to a lot of the entertainment industries. You know, we've been the last in line. And all of a sudden, a movie like this comes out, and it creates space where every studio is saying, we want to do faith-based films. And I know a lot of what we're dealing with on the show is people who are more in the mainstream, not as much faith-based, but more in the mainstream. But Christians like you who are in these positions, like if you don't learn and you don't walk with God in it, you're not going to last. Right? right. So, I mean, you've been in this for so many – it shows your longevity. shows – how close you are to God. Per- I just won't period. go away. It's like, you're like, I can't get rid of me. Whatever. It's like, it just shows you're like your fortitude of God. He's got you in it. And you're, and it's really beautiful to watch. Cause now what are you working on right now that, that, and, and you're working on 300 things right now, but what are you working on right now that you're like really excited about? It's part of your assignment and God to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the movie front, um, I'm super excited about a film that Warner Brothers has coming out later this year that's that's a, based on a true story and it's about a um a black man who was on death row. Oh wow. Who said I'm innocent. And he had like two different trials. In both both of the trials he was found guilty despite all this evidence to mm. the contrary. But they just needed a victim or they needed a perpetrator for this horrendous crime. Yeah. And so this guy went to jail and he was on death row, you know, it was death penalty. And uh, a black attorney started researching and decided he would get into this and see if he could, you know, there was new stuff, DNA evidence and stuff like that. And this is years ago. Anyway, long story short, spoiler alert, this guy went free. Wow. And so it's that story. And then what that attorney has now gone on to do which is to to get a lot of people off of death row yeah. who who were unjustly um convicted which is of a crimes. really powerful conversation right now because we're finding 
I forget the, you know, there's, there's podcasts about this, about people who are falsely accused right now. Kim Kardashian's involved with it. A lot of people are involved with falsely accused because mm-hmm. I think it's up to 6% in California itself of people are, they're finding out they're falsely accused or Fake they're in news. for the wrong. Yeah. I've, I've been sent links yeah. <laughs> to stories that were literally on fake news websites. Like the website even admits it's fake news, yeah. but somehow the link got passed around and people start reading it thinking it's real news. Absolutely. Even though the Snopes website it. says it's Figure fake it news. Yeah. So yeah, that, that stuff is crazy, but I'll tell you what I'm really, really, really excited about. Um, I'm obviously excited at what God has done over these last 16 years in Hollywood, because when we started it was like there was supply filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. People making movies. And there was demand way over there on the part of tens of millions, you know, if not a hundred plus million consumers yeah. who wanted these type of movies, faith-based inspirational movies. And what should have been connecting the supply and the demand were the movie studios. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. They were actually in the way. For sure. Because they didn't believe in these movies. And they didn't understand that audience. And so they yeah. just kept feeding them the stuff that Hollywood understood. So we looked at it and we said, we got to build a pipeline to connect the supply and the demand. And that's really what our company, that was our vision to start building cool. this pipeline. Even before we knew Mel Gibson had a film to go through that pipeline, we, we were like, we got to connect yeah. the supply and the demand. So now 15, 16 years later, where there was nothing crossing that desert before, now there's a super highway. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of people in the space. There's towns that have built up all along the highway. There's all kinds of products yeah. going over that super highway. And now I'm looking at it going, hey, project done, like mission accomplished. There's way beyond us. There's all these other things happening. And yeah. so I feel like it's good. It's cool. I don't need to stay doing that for the rest of my life. So God's been showing me lately other things, other pipelines that have to be built, other connections that have to be made. And he's also showing me that all the stuff that I've done up until this point will be used for those new pipelines, for those new connections. Like the magazine to the marketing and now from the marketing to the next pipeline. Right, exactly. I love how God builds like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I love this conversation. It's been so valuable. And I just love your perspective and the reality of it, of what you've walked through and how you brought this to this table, this conversation, because people need to know how to walk with God in this area, especially marketing. A lot of people don't see the Christian side of like God's in marketing too. Like this is part of what he does. Absolutely. St. Paul, Mm -hmm. again, my namesake, he was the marketer. He was. He was the voice box. He was the proclaimer. And had there not been somebody as as tenacious and sometimes annoying <laughs> as Paul was, you know, the word wouldn't have spread as fast. Yeah. So yes, I don't I don't even like the word marketing. We don't um, we don't sell things. Our our motto is to serve, not sell. That's awesome. What I'm trying to do is find what people need and bring them tools to satisfy those needs. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for the conversation. Right on. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. 
I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it, including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. So we're going to play a game called Something Real or Something Fake. And these are all things loosely related to your world. Okay. And so the first thing we're going to Can talk about. Can I win about, something? Is, is, are there you're prizes? You're going to win your pride, my friend. Your my pride. Pr oh, no. I might lose my pride. <laughs> you might lose your You can't really lose oh. your pride on these questions. Okay. But we'll see. All right. I'm just going so for the batting So you average. guys do a lot of marketing. And one of the things you market is movies. And so what's the worst movie marketing of all time? as voted by Rotten Tomatoes. Here's two ideas of what they could be. The first one is to promote Man of Steel, Warner Brothers entered a deal with Gillette Razors. The result was an ad campaign based on the question, how does Superman shave? Fans were directed to a special website where they could view various series from people like Bill Nye the Science Guy and director Kevin Smith. The campaign was wildly mocked online for its relative lameness. That's number one. Okay. Number two, Arnold Schwarzenegger was at the absolute peak of his popularity in 1993, coming off of big hits like Total Recall and Kindergarten Cop, he was viewed in Hollywood as virtually infallible. For that reason, a new Conan movie was in the works and wasn't just expected to be the biggest hit of the summer. It was designed to be. That extended to the marketing to emphasize the film's prefabricated massiveness. Columbia Pictures paid a reported $500,000 to have its title emblazoned on the rocket that NASA was prepping to launch into space. The plan presented advertising on a suitably grand Schwarzenegger-esque Scale. Conan the Last Warrior was set to open in mid-June with a rocket scheduled to blast off in May. Problems delayed the launch several times and the movie was a flop and they took it off the rocket. Which one is true? I, th I think the first one is true. That second totally one with the correct. rocket cannot be true. <laughs> it is actually, they're both true in a different way. So the ah. first one was the actual true one. The uh -huh. second one, it was actually true, but it wasn't Conan. It was a different movie for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it actually did take off two months later. It was the, oh the last action hero. Okay. So it's, it did terrible in the box All right, office. but I Although scored I a it. point. You scored. You got one. I'm one, one of four. One. one of four. Here we go. Let's see. So you guys marked The Passion of Christ, and lots of directors or producers make an appearance in the film they create. Mel is no exception. He played the hand nailing, like you told us earlier, Jesus to the tree, but considered uh, – other roles as well so he was trying to decide what he wanted to do out of these and he ended up doing that but which one of these is the other one he considered doing number one mel gibson originally was slated to play the thief on the cross but couldn't lose weight in time for the shoot to represent the god figure <laughs> so that's one the second one is apparently you're laughing so you're gonna think the second one is true possibly he wanted to take out his anger on people who betrayed him by being the hands that tied judas's noose which one of those is true the hands that tied Judas's noose. Um, <clears throat> by the way, I don't know this. <laughs> I actually never heard Mel talk about this. Um, but the hands that tied Judas's noose on camera, because I don't remember the noose being tied on camera. So I'm going to go with the first one. It's actually the second one. He was going to be, they were going to have this scene where Judas had his noose tied and he was going to tie the noose for Judas. Dude, next as if he time, was Judas. you need to get somebody who knows something about the passion of Christ. <laughs> I know next time somebody who the didn't The one question the about the passion I can't get right. <laughs> we tried to get something really oh, obscure, man. so it was work. All right. You actually helped to market the Chronicles of Narnia, which is amazing. One of my favorite movies of all times. I loved it. And here's two different facts about the movie. you got to tell me which one is true. Number one, 
Prior to the current film series, so this is the one you didn't work on, three video games had been made about the Chronicles, all now out on outdated computers like Commodore and Apple II. There was, you know, even one for LWW, one for VDT, and another simply called Narnia. All of them were commercial flops. That's number one. Number two, a new virtual reality experience has come out where you can be Aslan or the White Witch. Both give you powers of the iconic characters, but true to Narnia trademark holders, the witch cannot win. Which one is true? Oh, gosh, man. You're asking me questions. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know the answer to this one either, but... <clears throat> You're playing for pride. Um, I don't. I'm gonna go with no on the virtual reality and yes on the video games. You are correct. Yes, that's true. Two out of three. They were all flops, and so they didn't really. I, did they ever make a uh, video game again? No. Did you guys do one? Uh, there was there was an online game. Okay. A web-based online game sure. that we did. It was actually those. for sweepstakes. Oh, cool. Which was really cool. We That's got really 300,000 cool. people to sign up for this sweepstakes. Wow. Somebody needs to make a game out of Narnia because I'm a video game player. So I have someone sent me the Last of Us Cup right here. That's a video yeah. game. I love yeah. it. So somebody needs to do it. Okay. Here's the last one. And I have a question for you. You're the CEO of Motive Entertainment. How did you guys come up with your name? Uh, as with most of the things that God calls me to do, it just dropped into my head one day. Yeah. And I was originally going to call it Encore. I don't know why. Yeah. And then I found out somebody else had the name. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, dang, somebody stole the name from me. And, uh, but after the name dropped into my head, I was like, oh, I get it. Because it's all about connecting with people at a deeper level, yeah. their motivational level, and not just superficial, but like re what really drives us. What are the things we would live yeah. for? What are the things we die for? See, I think those are the moments that God is really speaking to us that we just don't at first think this is God. And then all of a sudden later on, we're like, I'm not that smart. Right. It's a great name. I mean, it's a great, but unfortunately we're using the name in the worst possible way. Cause we're going to give you two people who, who share their motives for crimes they committed. And you got to decide which one was real. So okay. the first one is when the police arrested 18 year old Benjamin C hop, he only had on a sweatshirt and red boxers and white socks on his left foot. Why? A few hours earlier, he had broken into the home of an old fat bartender who wrestled the kid to the ground and made him cry before he squirmed out of his shoes and pants and ran from the house. He said he wasn't breaking in for petty theft, but his motive was that he had gotten lost and heard his dog, which was actually the big man snoring. That's number one. Number two, a young man from Florida was arrested for killing his own brother during Hurricane Irma. His motive was that which didn't stand up in court, by the way. His motive was that he was afraid of the hurricane and was shooting at it when his brother got in the way. This had nothing to do with the fact that they had been in a family feud over his deceased parents' house. Which one is true? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> like, where, <laughs> where do you possibly come up with these things? I have a, I, I have to you have you a source. Have a you must have had a source I have a for, story this. for this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the second one. They're both true. They're and both the reason true. Why, is because there's a new game going around you may not have heard of called Search Your Birthday and say a man in Florida was arrested on April 26th, which is my birthday, and then it tells you a story. So every date has a story from a real news story. And I did today's date, and both of these came on. Both of these. All and right. so if you do your – so we could actually do your birthday, and it'll come up with the worst crime you've ever heard of. It's all redneck crime from florida and so florida's got a terrible reputation right now for this game but it's really funny so you should do it with your kids i'm, I'm definitely and there it's perfect well thank you for playing the game so i got three out of four 
You got three out of four. Of course, I, I missed the pride. passion one. No, you got your pride. You got your pride intact. This is good. Right on. Thank you. <clears throat> There's hope for me. There's hope for you. <laughs> I sure hope you're enjoying exploring the industry, our brand new podcast in the Exploring series. We've explored the prophetic, now exploring the industry, and we have secret ones coming up as well, which is really fun. Well, it's listeners like you who partner to us that make us be able to or enable us to be able to make these incredible podcasts and to create conversations that show you what God's doing behind the scenes in people's lives, especially in the entertainment industry where you don't normally get a God vantage point. And I love that these incredible people in film, television, music, and all the other industries are sharing such vulnerable stories of how God is doing things in their life and changing the world around them. And we want to continue to make these incredible conversations and to be able to speak this narrative into the body of Christ so we would have faith for what God can and will do. So please join our partnership. Or if you just want to give a one-time donation, go to bowlsministries.com and click on partner. I have Paul Lauer here. We've been having an incredible conversation uh, and we're exploring the industry right now together. And one of the things that we had talked about pre-show was and you were just kind of mentioning it not to talk about on the show, but I wanted to talk about it on the show. You were just talking about how you have a folder that has a lot of your vision for things to come that you want to do in your lifetime. Like, talk about that for a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on my desktop, on my computer, I have a folder called Visions folder. Which and I'm I've now been, copying. I've just been dumping stuff in there. And that folder is actually getting bigger than yeah. like all the other folders. But it's the it's the catch-all place that I just throw these inspirations Um I actually do a holy hour every Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So I pray, I try to pray every morning and, sure. you know, like all of us. Um, but I have this specific hour of the week. And in our church, we have a chapel that's 24-7. <clears throat> so we each take a different hour. So what is that, 168 different I, people? I <laughs> and my hour is the lightweight one, which is Thursday morning from 10 to 11 a.m. There's like... There's superstars no that have like 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Wow. Like, who are these people? Anyway, without fail, I go into my holy hour. I kind of set myself up. I have a little thing that I do, acts, it's called, which is adoration, contrition, which is asking the Lord pardon for my sins, T for thanksgiving, just thanking God, yeah. and then C for, or no, S, S for supplication which mm. is asking for things. And sometimes I'll go in, I won't even get through A. Yeah. I'll just start getting a download. I call them downloads. Yeah. Where I just get these inspirations, these ideas. And sometimes they're really vivid and other times they're foggy. But um, I'll run and grab a pencil and, you know, start scribbling. I have all these pieces of paper, you know, that I've scribbled on. Anyway, those things get dumped into my vision folder. And um, uh, lately... I've been pulling stuff out because nice. I, I felt like God's saying, like I said in the last segment, um, we've got this, this first vision or this, you yeah. know, first thing that you did in entertainment with the marketing, we've yeah. got that happening now. So he's kind of like freed me up to start exploring, start moving on some other stuff. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that. I'm going to kind of take us into a direction for a minute of just being in marketing where there's so much criticism and there's so much, uh, like when you're taking a project to market and there's, and, and there's, it's a very competitive market. Um, how do you deal mm. with the, you know, if I'm with an actor, I'm asking about rejection, but I'm with you. So I'd, I'd probably talk more. Have you faced a lot of criticism? Have you faced a lot of people who 
misjudge your motive or misjudge yeah. what you guys are trying to do yeah. or has it been more grace filled in the sense of like it's all clean cut oh no we've definitely had criticism um it's always interesting when that comes in because you kind of feel like gosh if i could sit down and talk to that person face to face or even more if i could sit down and pray with that person yeah. they would know my heart and yeah. they would know where this is coming from and they wouldn't have this judgment well i think it's because of agenda too because i mean if you're representing a product or a project you have an agenda yeah and then a lot of people especially other christians think you shouldn't have an agenda which is bizarre but like if you if you're you know some people look at it as you're soccer momming your agenda with me versus no i do have an agenda though and i'm representing something so i think criticism criticism a lot of times would come when someone misunderstands your positioning of an agenda yeah and i just bring that up because i i, I haven't talked to someone from marketing it yet on the show yeah and i think it's there's a lot of people who feel called to the business side of it mm -hmm. and i love how you had said earlier about serving not you're not really trying to market you're trying to serve yeah but there's a lot of confusion that happens i mean i was with some people on the avengers project who were marketing behind the scenes and they were just getting beat up i was with a friend of mine who she was marketing for dc and some, one of the movies that they were marketing it was such a great movie but mm -hmm. it was being so killed by rotten tomatoes and other groups yeah and it was a really good movie and it did real well commercially but they were it was like the movie that did the best commercially that was hit the most hated you know by critics and they're just like uh I mean, we did a good project, but man, I feel terrible afterwards. Like how, have you right. had to deal with that or how do you deal with that when it comes? Well, if we're believers, yeah, all we have to do is look at our, our master yeah. and uh, the servant is not greater than the master and he was misunderstood. He was rejected. Um, and really, I think it comes back to what is it you're representing? Because there are products or things, events, services, whatever, that you might be representing where you really should be thinking twice. Like, mm. really, this isn't good sure. for the body of Christ. This does not sustain or uphold or enliven or inspire. And, and then you really are, you're doing marketing. You're selling, not serving. But if you know you have something that's a service, that really can help people. It can help people in their walk of faith or it could just help their marriage or just entertainment that's not sure. offensive, you know, help them laugh, have a laugh without being, you know, filled with terrible stuff. If you know your product is good, then you have to be bold and fearless and know that people are going to reject it. I mean, think about this. So there's a presidential campaign yeah. And you have different candidates and somebody's going to win. And somebody could say, well, you can't market stuff. Cause like, that's not right. Well then our candidate is not going to win. Yeah. We are going to lose this election because there are other voices and other powers and other messages that are being put out there, marketed out there, advertised out there, yeah. paid for out there. And those that is what's going to win. So unless we come alongside that and have something equally powerful, which doesn't have to be necessarily more advertising or better marketing ideas, because I think the X factor is always what God brings to any campaign, yeah. whether it's a political campaign or a movie campaign or a book campaign or a product of any kind. It's always what's the God factor. I like to say that on our best day, being the best marketers we can be, 
being the best promoters, the best speakers, authors, pastors, the most we're going to bring to the equation is a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. Wow. So you're waiting for God to That's do, it. do the multiplication. Exactly. You're just... That's our best day. That's yeah. what we've got to offer. And then Jesus steps in and goes, now watch what I have to offer. Yeah. So. So let's talk about yeah. real fast. I'm going to go from there. I love that answer. Let's go into the X factor. You just talked about that with certain types of projects. What are some of your favorite times that the X factor happened or the God thing happened where you're doing something and you're like, ah, it's working. God, he just came through. Look at the result of this. Like, tell me a couple of those stories. You know, there are things like uh, how I always know our, let's say a campaign is, is really hitting where it's taking off. It's going, it's taking on a life of its own, which is really grassroots because the whole grassroots metaphor is you plant some seeds Actually, let me double click on this because I love this whole grassroots thing. All right. So grassroots, what is that? Why do they call it that? Well, there's a lot of explanations, but mine is you have this field, okay? You have to kind of fertilize it, and then you have to kind of make sure the soil is ready to receive seeds. Then you have to plant the seeds. Now, the first mistake is if you've got the wrong seed for the wrong soil or the mm-hmm. soil isn't ready for it because then it just gets rejected nothing nothing ever grows okay but if you have the right receiver the right audience and the right message yeah. or product or service or whatever that seed gets into the fertilizer and it begins to grow problem is you don't see anything for days yeah okay Grassroots takes time to grow. Okay. The only thing that can overcome the time barrier is money. That's what the studios do. Fast, expensive campaigns. Yeah, that makes sense. Throw all kinds of money in it, at it and get the word out broadcast, yeah. not narrowcast, not like one-to-one. Anyway, so it takes time. Well, then finally the, the grass starts to grow, right? You come out one day and, hey, there's those green shoots are popping up. And then this amazing thing happens, which is it multiplies, okay? Because when you look at the number of blades of grass, there's no way you planted that many seeds, okay? It multiplies and it grows on its own. It spreads. And then what happened on the passion campaign and occasionally happens is the field gets torched. Hmm. It gets set on fire Hmm. and smoke goes up. And now people from miles away see the smoke and they're curious about what's going on over there. And now way outside of the circle you were marketing to or you were connecting with, yeah, everybody else all the way around is like, what's going on over there? We want to be in on that yeah. fear of missing out, right? Yeah. And that's what drove the passion. Anyway, what the heck was the question you asked? Oh, no, it was great. I like that you just gave that analogy because you're kind of giving us kind of a picture of what it looks like. Yeah. The question was, like, what are a couple of the times that something blew up like that? Oh, right. Which is really fun. I like how you answered the question. Yeah. Well, I was actually also saying I know something's blown up when we send something out, whether it's on social media or it's whatever, on email or post something online or whatever, and it comes back into my inbox, not from somebody that, that I'm connected. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody else, somewhere else forwards it on to this. me. You gotta, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, beautiful. It's it's made the rounds. Yeah. It's like gotten out there into the so yeah. Um gosh. 
uh, things that have blown up. I mean, listen, any of the successful campaigns like Narnia, we did the shack two years ago. Oh, yeah. And we had Paul Young on here. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, he's great. I love him. Dude, Paul Young, years. are you watching? <laughs> we love you, Paul. <laughs> um, that was that was one of those campaigns that had some real pushback, yeah. some real resistance. There was resistance for the book, and we knew there was going to be resistance for the movie. Yeah. I didn't know how much. I kind of thought, you know, we'll just float it and yeah. see what happens. And this was Lionsgate's first foray into the into the faith community. Which are loving it now. Lionsgate yeah. has gone big. Yeah. Shout out Lionsgate. Yeah. I'm so proud of them. Um but that campaign, it went from that kind of early resistance and people not sure should they jump in or not. Yeah. And we did something. We started screening the movie and everybody that saw the movie just loved it. And so I came up with this idea of doing a thousand a a thousand praises or something like that for the shack. And so we built a website and it was just a page with 1000 endorsements from people that had seen the movie. Oh, wow. And they were all church leaders. And from that point forward, um, anybody who said, I've got this problem, I've got that problem. You know, I haven't seen the movie. I would just point them to that, yeah. to that website. And I'd say, look, here's a thousand people who work in the church who have seen the movie. Just read what they have to say. Wow. And you can literally scroll forever down this thing. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, a lot of it is you you don't know what's going to come and you have to roll with it when it yeah. comes. You have to adjust. We'll start with a campaign, a budget, a plan. Halfway through the plan, we'll be saying, okay, that whole thing over there is not working. Yeah. And this surprising thing over here is working. So we got to, you know, we yeah. got to redouble our efforts over there. It's a lot like a battle. It's no, like a it military like it. campaign. It seems like well, one of the things with the shack. It's funny you brought that up because I think you sent me either you or one of someone sent me the shack premiere. I can't remember. They just said we want to get your take on it. Yeah. And so I go in, but I had to go into Lionsgate with some of the press. So it was a press time, mm -hmm. and so I think there was like four other groups there that were pressing my wife and I went to see it, and the press was weeping. Like the people were like, I literally could hear people sobbing in the movie. And then right. afterwards, and I knew some of the press people and afterwards I'm reading two of the three of them that I think were in there and they gave it bad reviews, but they got rocked by the heart of God watching it. And I thought, what an interesting market to be in that mm. these people personally had an encounter with something because they're crying. You don't cry in a movie you don't have an encounter with. Right. Like bawling, like, t like tissue boxes bawling. Yeah. And then they didn't, they didn't release that report in their for their newspaper. Maybe they had a pressure or something to release something else. Right. But it was just really one of those moments where I thought, so that's the kind of uphill battle you're fighting sometimes where they have a pressure in their company or from someone else to not write maybe the truth of what they experienced. It's but the seed. Opinion. It's the seed that Jesus talks about. Yeah. It falls on certain ground and it connects, but the cares or concerns yeah. of the world strangle it. Yes. And that's what, yeah, unfortunately, so like that, that seed fell, it fell on their hearts. For real. Like, I mean, I watched it I was like, oh wow. Cause I was at that point, I probably would have had more of an emotional reaction, but then I was watching their reaction. Right. Right. I had to watch it again before I had mine. And my wife went and saw it again and she actually was able to bring a plus one to the mm -hmm. screening and she saw it again and she brought a woman who had just lost her husband. Mm. 
And my wife was just like, this woman's life was forever changed. It was like one of those things where it was the before and after she needed to to overcome this situation right. two weeks before. I was like, honey, don't bring her. It's only been two weeks. She goes, I feel like she wants to come. I feel like she's supposed to come. So here's a great little example or analogy um, for people that poo-pooed the shack. And I understand, you know, maybe not all the theology was 100%. I, sure. There were a couple of things in there. I was a little bit, oh, okay, that, I might have done that differently. Paul, sorry if I had written the book. <laughs> but it's like this. So imagine there's a prostitute who's still living the life of a prostitute. Definitely not a perfect person. Yeah. And for whatever reason, she starts reading the Bible and she starts witnessing to another prostitute about Jesus. Are we going to say, whoa, like get clean, get right before you decide to witness because yeah. God can't use you. We all know God can use and does use broken instruments. So even when you see a faith-based movie or even a mainstream movie and you go, well, it's got these three problems. Does it have as many problems as a prostitute? Like, yeah. will it be sleeping with somebody tonight who's yeah. paying for sex? If it's not that bad, it's possible that God could still use this yeah. vehicle to witness to somebody in a situation. So let's pray for it. Let's support it. And let's hope that whatever those problems are, you know, we yeah. can get better. Well, especially the, the problems that come out of story versus someone actually directly preaching. You can't hold story accountable the same way you hold somebody who's actually teaching you intentionally a principle. I think that's the problem with some of the faith-based movies is that we try and hold them responsible to be teachers versus to be entertainment instead of edutainment, which is really interesting. It's an right. interesting theme. Okay, so so that's cool, though. I like that story as far as just the shack and how, mm -hmm. you know, it lit on fire. And I think of um, I think of some of the things that you – other things you've worked on, too, like, like Narnia or these things. Um, did you ever have a time where somebody brought a project, and I'll use your analogy, the field wasn't right or the seed wasn't right, and you knew – because most marketing groups would say – we're going to take anything right now. We're just right. going to take it unless it's yeah. socks so bad. We're going to take it. Right. And a friend of ours who owns a marketing group, um, he, and he wasn't really <clears throat> walking strongly with God at the time, but he's a Christian. And he did about six, four movies in a row and realized I've just prostituted generation mm. and brought them in front of horror and actually made these movies that wouldn't have been successful or torture horror right. successful. And yeah. it's my fault. Yeah. Like he, he went to that place where he's like, I need to make different decisions. Have you ever had that moment where it's like, Oh yeah. Whether it's something oh just gosh. stupid or whether it's, I mean, well, probably not as many as Christian actors have yeah, <laughs> who <laughs> are guys. being given parts all the time that they're like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. But it definitely has happened. <laughs> it's definitely happened for us where, um, either the film is not right. Uh, let's say morally, that yeah. happens a lot, which always amazes me. I mean, I, literally the, the other day I, I was sent to film and I watched the film and I thought, do these people know who I am? Like they contacted me to work on this film. How could they even think that, that you I would yeah. work on this film? Like what were they thinking? But, um, and then there's other times where it's just, there is no way yeah. this film is going to work. It, it has a good heart you know the heart was there but the rest of the body didn't follow yeah. <laughs> it's like no, i'm sure it's, it's like the kid with a big heart who just cannot make the basket okay yeah. it's not his gift he's not going to shoot that ball in that hoop um and in both cases um you know it's easy with 
with the studios or whatever, I actually, I think I've built a good reputation with the studios because I'll tell them, guys, if somebody in my space tries to convince you that they can market this movie to those people, I'm telling you, they yeah. can't. Don't believe them. So like Noah comes along. I'm not, I'm not going to market this movie because you'd <laughs> be Noah wasting your money. Did they contact you for Noah's Ark? Um, or can you not tell me? No, <laughs> that was like the worst movie I love. Dude, well, I love some people. There's involved. two movies. There's two movies: Noah and Exodus. And there's backstories to both of those movies. Um, and and there's also great backstories supporting you know why people got involved yeah. in those. We did not get involved in either one of those. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about okay. that because because no, we I didn't understand. do the campaigns. But it was it was pretty clear for the christian community why yeah i just bring that up because i mean they like i'm one of the advisors of those kinds of things so they came yeah. to me and asked me will this work and I, I said absolutely not right it'll zero work yeah and i love who you have attached to this movie so you should fix it and they're like oh well we kind of the, the writer's really attached to his story and i'm like you can't tell a non-biblical based story to a biblical based crowd it will never work had the same it's conversation that, yeah. so had it's the just, same conversation. it's sad because they were warned by how many people a lot of and people. then they yeah. released a movie that could have just a few adjustments right and so that's kind of some of your job and and one of the things that people don't realize even when a movie like that gets released is maybe some of the christians who were behind the scenes working on it actually made it at least a little better oh that's a good perspective than it could have been yeah and they don't see that all they see is what it is yeah. and they're like well here's 10 things wrong but they don't realize there's a christian back there who got 10 things wrong removed because there was oh, originally wow. 20 things wrong and we're making progress. Now, again, I wasn't a fan of either one of those movies, but I know that there's always another story. Yeah. And it really does come down to what is your heart? And that's why I wish for the critics, you know, those, those people that are believers yeah. who are looking at other believers and saying, how could you do that? I wish we could sit down and just say, you know, let's pray. Let's yeah. pray and let me share my heart with you. And let me tell you why God has me here and what a difference, even the little differences that he's making. Because yeah. if I wasn't here, if people like us weren't here, if you think it's bad now, you should see what it really would look like. Yeah. So I'm thinking about like a movie you sent me recently and I ended up watching it and it was really beautiful. It was called The Storm Boy. Oh, yeah. An Australian-based movie. Up there. Yeah, I think yeah. they just released it. Yeah. And I thought about this movie and I thought, I don't know what their distribution is or what their plan is, but I was looking for it and it was a little hard for me to find out and it was coming out. So it was a little hard to find. And it's this beautiful movie that looked like it. And, um, you know, the marketing I'm sure was wonderful, but it wasn't uh, as wide as it could have been in the sense of what it was. Cause it was such a, do you yeah. ever find like projects like that, that you just can't help but go, no, we have to go bigger. Cause it's, it literally was a movie. I think a lot of children should watch. Yeah. Yeah, and not young children, but children. And right. I felt like there was a lot, and the acting was really good. Yeah. Like, well, that little Jeffrey boy, Rush. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey Rush, of course. But that, yeah. the little boy was amazing. Right, right. There's a lot of movies like that. In fact, um, and that movie was, I mean, that was a micro campaign. That was yeah. like, I think it opened on 60 screens or something. So nobody saw it. Nobody yeah. could have seen it. But it's going to have a good life, I think, on, you know, in, like, in yeah. other windows. And a lot of times we'll do theatrical campaigns um, knowing that a movie's not going to do any business theatrically. But if we don't do the, the campaign now in the theatrical window, 
will never be able to do it later. Okay. Because nobody pays attention to a film that's not opening in theaters. Nobody oh, okay. meaning the press and all yeah. of that. They won't even talk to yeah. you if you're talking about a film that's not opening in theaters. Yeah. Okay. Unless it's a $20 million Netflix, you know, extravaganza. Sure. So what, what people don't realize is you have to exercise that option now. Yeah. Even if you know your film doesn't have a shot at, a, at any theatrical success, you need to exercise the option to market it theatrically yeah. so that it'll pay off down the line. Um, but we have this thing we call the film orphanage. Okay. The film orphanage is filled with hundreds, if not thousands, of beautiful movies. Wow. That never saw the light of day. And movie making is a lot like love making. It's an act of passion. It's usually artists yeah. who are very passionate people and are not money people. Yeah. They're artists who make these works of art, much like love making, like people have this passion and they make love and, and all of a sudden there's this child that's born. Yeah. But nobody thought about how are we going to raise this child and who's going to own this child? And we didn't bargain for a child. We were just in love. Yeah. And so these passionate filmmakers over and over again, they make these babies <laughs> and there's no plan for the baby's life. And so they end up in the orphanage. And I think there's a huge opportunity. Netflix is capitalizing and Amazon and others are capitalizing on that orphanage yes, of films. Absolutely. But there's a lot of great, not necessarily faith-based movies, but strong moral stories yeah, that's what that this are was. entertaining yeah. that and that's a play. It's one of the things we're working on. Oh, that's good. Is trying I, to... Yeah, I've seen probably about 10 movies that different people have sent me that are like this movie that I was like, this needs to be seen. I, yeah. I wanted a soccer moment. I wanted to just go, this, you know, how do you get behind something, that, but it needs a whole a whole world behind it. Exactly, you know? yeah. And, okay. and and it's tough when you promote something that you, people can't even see because it's not at their yeah, it's local theater. Yeah. It's, it's harder. Yeah. I want to ask you about the new because you have a lot of new going on and it's exciting. Yes, the so Visions folder. It. Yes, I want to hear so uh, here's the, the um, kind of metaphor that I've gotten lately. Um, so on planet Earth, there are however many continents, five, seven, whatever it is, whether you're counting, I don't know, is Australia yeah, okay. a continent, <laughs> whatever it is. But there's this new continent, and it's the digital continent. Yeah. And it's where um, all of humanity is migrating there. Yeah. And someday all of humanity will live there. Hmm. And it won't matter actually where you're physically living because you could be in Asia and I could be in Africa or North America and we could still be sitting here virtually. Yeah. Right. And yeah, maybe I can't reach out and touch you, but pretty darn close. Well, like I've that seen will the, be the argument of reality yeah, glasses are right. coming out and, and we Microsoft have a whole and India and like, yeah. It's we crazy. have a whole virtual reality project that we're working on that has to do with the miracles of Jesus. So, oh, I love that. so this new continent, this digital continent, is where we're all migrating. Now, there was a time when this continent, North America, um, by the way, we're in North America. I know some of you are elsewhere, but we're here. It was unsettled, and yeah. there were these explorers that crossed the seas and many of them perished on the way and they were always undercapitalized, but they were on an expedition, a mission to get to the new world. Yeah. And they got there and they planted a flag and they claimed it for the king. That's what they did. Yeah. They claimed it for the king. Well, this new digital continent 
has already been colonized by some pretty big entities yeah. that are moving in that space. But it's so massive that even the colonies they've built are not the end game. Like there is a ton of terrain left. Yeah. We need to go and settle that digital continent. What does that mean? Oh, and we need to claim it for the king, our king, the true king. And what does that mean? It means that everything that we're doing in movies and what I would call messaging overall or media, yeah, everything we're doing on the money side. So money has to do with all the things that are sustenance, you know, houses and cars and food and clothing and tangible things that support our body. Media has to do with all the things that impact our mind. So money is body. Media or messaging is mind. Okay. And then, of course, we have soul. So yeah. body, mind, soul. On the soul front, we've actually been really good over the past couple of decades building prayer movements. Like yeah. That's the one thing in the church that's, that's growing and exploding is the prayer movements. Mm -hmm. International House of Prayer and these prayer and healing rooms and so forth. And so the body of Christ has been coalescing yeah. and unifying on the spiritual side. But now what's happening is God saying, now it's time for the body to materialize and unify on the physical side, on the material side, around money and around messaging, around money and media. So part of what we've done for 16 years has been in that media space. Yeah. But now what we're seeing is all these, it's almost like being on one of those explorer ships yeah. and you might be the missionary, right? The Franciscan missionary that Spain is sending to colonize the <laughs> Indians. But you look to your left and there's a soldier and then over there there's a doctor and there's a couple who are coming to make babies, right? That's their purpose is go <laughs> populate the place. Yeah. There's all these different disciplines and they're all on the same ship to go build a colony in the new world. And what we're seeing now is business people, prayer people, movie people, um, digital, you know, um, internet people, all kind of coming together going, hey, like we're supposed to do something together. Wow. And like I'm in the banking industry and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with you in the movie industry, but God's, yeah put us together to do this thing. We're going to colonize. And so we have to figure out what is it we're supposed to do together. And a month ago, we had a meeting, a gathering at my house, and we wow. invited 20 leaders from all these different disciplines yeah. um, from five different continents. Wow. And we, we prayed about this. We spent a weekend praying and talking and exploring what could this look like. So that visions folder. Yeah. I opened that thing up and I was like, oh my gosh. Cause I literally, I have a whole vision for a bank. Wow. Like what? I'm not going to start a bank. Like I never did a bank before. And all of a sudden I'm in front of a banker and I'm wow. like, you know, God gave me this idea about a bank and let me share it with you. And what do you think about this? And now I have a piece to his puzzle. Wow. And he has a piece to my puzzle. And the cool thing about puzzles is every piece is irrelevant by itself. Yeah, you have to have the others. It has, it, it's only significance is in union with something else that continues its yeah. design. 
And that's what God's doing. He's, he's bringing all the pieces together to make this beautiful thing that only God could make. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's rock on, dude. No, seriously. That's like, that's so cool. I love, I love the fact that you're um, a catalyst for it too. Cause it's love your history. So it's really amazing that you're being a catalyst for, cause people are waiting for their kind of assignment, so to speak. I also have the virtual space because the virtual space, I feel someone had told me when I first started ministry, they said, your real estate that you pay online needs to be as much as, and as much money as your land that you're actually, you know, renting or whatever buying. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't matter. And then I realized it does matter. I mean, this is what matters right now. It's like, so for our ministry, like we have, so many resources online as opposed to even physical resources aren't as important now as what's online. Mm. So it's, it's crazy when you think of the big picture of that, when you're looking at, you know, companies like Netflix can fail still mm -hmm. and then something else will be there. You know, it's like nothing's secure yet. Maybe right. Amazon is just kidding, but you know, there's not. And so we get to go in and see. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe Amazon. Amazon is the one exception. <laughs> maybe. There are powerful. no exceptions. There, there are, are no exceptions. exceptions. If the and Roman Empire fell, anything else can fall. That's true. Um, but this great new world, this brave new world that we're going to settle, yeah. um, this is the world, this is the way, the digital continent is the way that God, the the great commission will be fulfilled. Yeah. It is the, it is the way that God will reach everybody and God can reach everybody. And he's going to give us land. He's going to yeah. give us resources. I love he's going to give us favor. And we're going to have what Abraham had when he was called. I really believe that. Wow. And I'm seeing it happen. Like people that have had scarcity are, are coming into abundance. Yeah. And people that have no business being in technology or this or that are all of a sudden being plucked out of other careers and being given these visions yeah. that become huge. And it's all going to work together. It all has to yeah. work together. And in some ways, as the body of Christ, we're the only ones who really understand that because we're body. By the way, on the body. Yes. Imagine a beautiful bride you know, first of all, she's strikingly naturally beautiful, but then she's also dressed up and adorned and she has jewels and beautiful makeup and her hair and everything. And you're looking at this beautiful bride and you're like, whoa, like who is she marrying? Who's the lucky yeah. guy? Yeah. Well, the lucky guy is the bride of Christ or the, or the, groom, the groom, which is Jesus, right? And we are his bride. The church is his bride. Okay. Now imagine that bride and all of a sudden one of her arms pops off. Yeah. And it falls down and her ear pops off and she's still beautiful. And the arm is still beautiful, but you're kind of like, Whoa, yeah. that's a little, like you get a little queasy, like what's happening. Yeah. Dismembered body of Christ, dismembered bride of Christ is ugly Yeah, to the world. It repels the that's world. That's kind of what we're going through, right? Exactly. Yeah. And until we reunite, until all of our body parts come back yeah. together, that's, that's when the world is going to go, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Who is that bride's groom? I love that. Wow, what a powerful statement. Well, our time is coming to a close, but I really enjoyed our time because there's something about you're adding to a conversation or bringing to a conversation that has so much just faith in it. 
And I think we have to have this kind of faith for unity. And you've been so good at combining so many voices together. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so good at this conversation, because you've met with all these leaders. You've met with all these people throughout the years now, 16 years worth plus before that. And so I love your perspective and I'm so grateful for it. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, right on, man. And you're, you're doing it too, man. Yeah. No, you're part of it. this uh, brave new world. I want to be Lewis and Clark. Come on, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) We're sucking Jawea. Where is she? Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes and obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week. And we need these stories right now. I know if if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.